so glad that you are here today to join us as we start our new series, Money Matters. If you're watching online, welcome to you as well. We're starting a series, Money Matters, because money really matters. And often when you get to church, people are like, oh, seriously, are you a church that always talks about money? And the answer is no, but it could possibly be, maybe we should talk about it more. Because did you know that in the Bible, Jesus spoke more about money than almost any other topic? Jesus spoke more about money than he spoke about heaven. And it's like, why did Jesus do that? I think it's because Jesus knew that money matters more than we can always understand, that money has bigger power over our lives than we can ever understand, that money has more potential for our lives than we can ever imagine. And that is why we're starting this series, Money Matters, because money really matters. It's a three-week series in which we're going to look at a Christian, at a Christian's relationship with, towards money and possessions. Where we go to the marketplace, or where we go to books, or we go to what marketing tells us, or what people tells us, and then live out their standards instead of the standards of God. If we say we're a Christian, we should live out the standards of God in every area of our life that includes our, fin- <clears throat> our financial life. So that is why we're talking about this. And if you are not a Christian today and you're like, Louis, I'm still figuring this out. I'm not sure about it. I want to encourage you to still still stick around because this might teach you principles that you never thought about before. And it might teach you ways and help you to get out of crises and issues that you might have with money. So today we're going to start with our first topic. And this first topic is so obvious. It literally joins into the topic of this series, does my money really matter to God? Does God care about money? Or is God kind of like, I'm God, I care about your spiritual life. And whatever you do with your money, whatever you do with your possessions, with your house, with your car, that's kind of like, I don't care. As long as you've got me in your heart. Does God really care about our money? And we're going to jump right into a Bible verse today. And it's actually so difficult when I think about something like money to find one text because I prefer to focus on one text and and really dig into it. But it's almost, it's really hard because Jesus said so many things about money and there's so many good parables, stories that Jesus told to explain explain to us what our relationship with money should be like. But at the end of the day, I decided to read something from 1 Timothy. Now, if you've got your Bible, you can open to 1 Timothy 6. Timothy was like a student to Paul. And here Paul kind of goes and he takes a lot of the stuff that Jesus said about money, and he condenses it, he makes a summary of it, and he gives Timothy the summary, and he's like, dude, if you want to live with your money in a way that brings honor to God, in a way that makes sense, then here's a couple of basic cues. So we're going to start reading today 1 Timothy 6, verse 6 to 12. If you don't have your Bible with you, don't worry, it's going to be on the screen. This is what we read. Paul says, True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. 
And some people craving money have wandered from the truth faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Guys, that verse 10, money is the root of all kinds of evil. If you had grandparents like mine, you probably heard that numerous times in your life. It's a saying that old people love to use. Money is the root of all evil. So I want to kind of start out this morning by, by giving you a question. Is money good or is money evil? Is money good or is money bad? And not only here when we look at this, we're like money's the root of all evil, so it should be bad, right? But it's not only this. Jesus in other places in the Bible kind of talked about the same kind of thing. For example, Jesus said for a rich man, it is more difficult to get to heaven than it is for a camel, not like the big animal, to get through the eye of a needle. So when I look at verses like that, I'm like, then money must be bad, right? So rich men don't get to heaven, it's the root of all evil. There's no way money can be good. So the Bible says it's, it's bad. No, it's not all the Bible says. There's other passages in the Bible where, money talks, where God talks about money in a different way. So one of the first times we read about this very vividly is with a man named Abraham that God so blessed with money and possessions that he at one point attacked a couple of kings He's not a king, he's just a normal guy who accumulated so many slaves, so, many, um, so much money, so much livestock that he could take on kings on his own and he defeated them. In fact, God tells him that God is going to bless him so that he can be a blessing to others. I'm like, okay, so is money now good or bad? Now we read a little further, we get to one of the most famous kings in history, King David, a man that God said is close to his heart. King David takes over from Saul and guess how God blesses him? God blesses him with money. To the extent that David is like, I've got so much, I'm going to build God a proper temple and not just a temple, it's going to be gold, it's going to be gemstones, it's going to be the best of the best. We go to his son Solomon and God asks him, what do you want me to give you? Riches? long life, victory over your enemies. It's like, God, all I want is wisdom. God is like, you know what? Because you're a wise man, because I'm giving you wisdom, I'm just gonna add the rest. And he got so wealthy. By the way, he wasn't always that wise. So if you think you've got issues with one, one woman, he decided to marry a thousand. And that, I think, was a bit of his downfall. But anyway, so he thought he can handle a thousand women with all his wisdom. You can't. I'm telling you, you can never have enough wisdom to handle one woman. But anyway, so he got a thousand I'm in trouble tonight, but don't worry. He, he married a thousand, so it wasn't always that wise, but, that wise, but he was really a smart guy. And his riches were so great that when princesses came from other kingdoms to visit him, the first thing she asked is, where is all this riches that I've heard about? So now we've got like, okay, we've got stuff in the Bible. Money is bad. It's the root of all evil. It's like more difficult for a rich man to get to heaven. You're like, yeah, I'm so glad I'm not rich. You probably are. If you've got a car and you've built your car a little house to live in, we call that a garage, and if you might have a second car, and if you've got a house with a kitchen and all kinds of appliances, and you've got something like this, a phone, that you don't wait till it breaks, you just like trade it in for a better version, then you fall under some of the wealthiest people in the world. They're like, but Bill Gates is wealthy, I'm not wealthy. No, 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 compared to the population of the world, most of us living in an area like this, falls into the group of rich. They're like, oh, shucks, I'm not getting to heaven. Okay, money's bad. I don't want anything to do with it. But this side, God said money is good. He blessed Abraham with it. So what is the deal with money? Here's the deal with money. Money is neither good 
nor bad. It is just a tool that can be used for good or bad. So I've got a tool here this morning that I call a guitar, and I kind of love this tool. Is this a good guitar or a bad guitar? Okay, in case you don't know, it's a decent guitar. Yeah, it's okay guitar. But I want to show you something. If I, if I press a, a proper chord like this, it sounds pretty good, doesn't it? It sounds good. We can sing to it. We can praise God to it. It sounds good. But now if I do this, and I actually had to figure this out this morning, how to press a chord that's actually wrong, because I've played so long, I can't remember what it was. I think it's this. No, that actually sounds good. Come on, give me a wrong chord. That's okay. It's still too good. I need, I need one that's worse. I don't know how to play a chord that doesn't sound bad. Come on, give me something bad. Okay, here. Everything sounds good. Like, Shaw, give me a bad chord, man. I had one this morning. This still sounds good. Okay, we're going to find a bad one now. We're going to find a bad one. Yeah, that sounds... That's horrible. That's false. It doesn't make sense. You can't sing to this. You can't praise God to it. It's like a, like a nail in the ear, right? So is my guitar good or is my guitar bad? My guitar is neither. It's neither good nor bad. It's a decent guitar. But depending on what I do with it, it's a good guitar or it's a bad guitar. So this is the way money works. Money is like an amplifier to whatever is living in our hearts. Every instrument on stage here has to go through an amplifier in order for you to hear it audibly. If you've got a bad heart, whatever, your money will be bad because it will amplify the badness in your heart. Whether you've got a little bit of money or whether you have a lot of money. If your heart is good, your money will be good because it will be used for good whether you have a little bit of money or whether you have a lot of money. So money is not good, it's not bad, it's just a tool that can be used for good or bad. But why does God care about our hearts and why does God care about money? Because we have a problem, and Paul talks about this, he's like we long to be rich, we love money, we've got a problem that none of us will probably admit, but that is that we are quite greedy when it comes to money. So a different way to explain greed is to say greed is when I believe all my money is for my own consumption. All my possessions is for my own consumption. So everything I own, everything I get is for me to use. You know, we watch shows about people hoarding two liter plastic bottles and we judge them like, why can't they get rid of it? You might be like, Louis, I'm not greedy. I'm just, I'm just a saver. You might save so much if you don't have anything else, good things to do with your money, and everything you do is just saving it, you are a hoarder. You are greedy. You're keeping all your money for just your selfish reasons. Maybe you're like, I need a new phone. I need a new car. Although my car is still in a good, decent condition, I need new stuff because it will make me feel good. I'm a spender. Then you're probably greedy. You want more, st- more money so that you can buy more stuff for yourself. If you have, never have anything extra... For a purpose outside of yourself, I'm not talking about taxes, right? That goes off at at the beginning. That's also for me because it goes into our country. But if you never have any money outside for for anything left outside of yourself and and, and of taxes, it's basically also for you in in some way, then you are probably greedy. And we don't want to acknowledge it, but we all have that in our hearts where we want more to do more for ourselves. 
And Jesus spoke about this in Luke 12, 15. One of the parables that follows after this, Jesus actually talks about greed in a way that will blow your mind. So if, you haven't, if you've never read this, go, go home and go and read Luke 12 and just go and read the story where Jesus explains greed in a very simple way. But before this, Jesus says these words. He says, beware and guard against every kind of greed because life is not measured by how much you own. Your value does not lie in how much you own. So Jesus says, be careful to not fall into a trap of greed that most of us, although we will not acknowledge it, probably falls into to some extent. But why does God warn us against this? Why does he care about it? God cares about greed in our lives because the enemy and the world through marketing and stuff will always go after that weakness in our life and exploit it. Marketing is aimed at disrupting your peace. Marketing is aimed at your greed, telling you that you do not have enough, that if you have something else, you will be okay. If you've got something else, you will feel successful about something in your life. That is what, what marketing does. Its goal is to disturb, to disrupt your peace. We get to this point where I'm, I keep saying, like, I'll be happy if I've, if I've got a new phone or a new smartwatch, or I'd be happy if my car is a little bigger, or if I've got a new kitchen in the house, and then guess what happens? I get the new stuff, and am I happy? No, I'm not. Money can buy fun stuff, but it cannot make you happy. And this is the problem. When I fall for greed, and when the world exploits that greed, and the devil exploits the greed in my life, this is what happened. The big word is discontentment. I'm not okay with what I have. I get to a place of discontentment. And our life can either, often this is the case, and it doesn't, often, it doesn't always happen this way, but most of the time we have to make a choice of whether my life is going to fill with stuff or whether my life is going to fill with meaning. When your life is filled with meaning, stuff can support that meaning. But when my first choice is to have stuff in my life because I feel that somehow stuff will make me feel better, will give me the identity, will somehow make people look at me in a better way because children made fun of me, because my mom made my, knitted my own jersey in school, so now I just want to buy the right brand because then maybe people will give me honor. Or if I've got enough, maybe people will put me on a pedestal or I will get the respect I deserve or whatever. When my life is about stuff, I will always feel discontentment. I will never have enough. And this is what happens. When I'm discontent, it leads to all kind of financial stress and pressure and, and this feeling of I'm always chasing the wind. I'm always working harder, always getting more money. But no matter how much I have, I keep living it out. I've got more pressure about my debt. I feel more guilty about the stuff I bought. Uh, my marriage starts to, to go under because of it. Did you know, Reader's Digest years ago did a study, the most common things Couple, the most common thing couples lie to each other about is, guess what? Money. It's also the number one reason why marriages fall apart. Money. And if you've ever felt stress because of money, if you've ever felt that, pr that pressure, if you've ever felt like you're chasing wind and no matter what you do, you just can't get ahead, I want to tell you, we've probably fallen for this thing where I believe money is is, is about how it can serve me. It's all for my consumption. It's all about the stuff I own. And it will never satisfy your need. And if you're like, no, 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 but you don't get it. I just need a little bit more, then I will be okay. No, you won't. Not only does the Bible say this, but studies have shown that financial habits, good or bad, 
and financial pressures follow the pay scale. So the more you earn, the more stress you experience. The more you earn, the worse your habits get if you already had bad habits. The more you earn, the more pressure you feel about it. More money is not the answer. More money will expand, will amplify the greed. More money will amplify discontentment, and it will just get worse and worse. But we said money is not bad, right? It's just a tool. So if money in itself is not the answer, what is the answer? And this is a word that is not used so often anymore, but it's such a beautiful word. The Bible uses the word stewardship, and I believe this is the answer when it comes to our relationship with money. It's full and response management of something entrusted to one's care. Let's read that again. It's a careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. Guys, Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, Timothy, dude, you brought nothing with you into this world, and you're bringing nothing, you're taking nothing out of this world. This is another way to say it. Everything was created through God for God. Like, how can you say that? That is literally what the Bible says. In Colossians 1 verse 16, we read specifically the Bible tells us that everything in the world was created through Jesus. They're like, but this chair wasn't created through Jesus. Who got the intelligence to make this chair? Where did all the minerals and the stuff come from that we use to make a chair? Everything has its origin in God. It was created through Him, and everything is created for His glory, for His purposes. So it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. If everything was created by him and for him, then I don't anything, but I work for the stuff I own. Guys, this verse where Paul tells Timothy, dude, you didn't bring anything in. You're not bringing anything out. That is the most vivid illustration to make it sink in that I don't actually own anything. When you rent a car from the airport, how do you know the difference between renting and owning? When you drop it off at the airport and you leave it there when you go. Guess what? You cannot hitch a fender trailer to your grave. You cannot take anything with us. Just like that car stays behind at the airport, so every single cent you've ever made, every house you've owned, every car you've driven, every cell phone, everything you've ever owned, all the money in your bank account is going to be left behind when you leave this earth, when you go. And that is one of the most vivid realizations that actually I do not own the stuff I thought. God owns it. I am borrowing it from him for a time. Why is this concept so important? Because money in our minds always has an end goal. There's a saying that goes money is a means to an end, right? So there's an end. There's a goal that I work towards that I use my money for. But this is the problem for a Christian often. On the one hand side, I've got a goal that I've set for myself. And often on the other hand side, there is the goal that God is setting for our finances. And if these two don't align, I get confused and I, I have to decide like which one I'm gonna pick. But I wanna tell you, if you do not pick beforehand, the world will pick for you. 
The marketing you see in the newspapers, on TV, on Facebook, on social media, everywhere you go, there's marketing. And that marketing and the enemy's voice in your life and the stuff going around, going on around you, and the, the, the comparison that you have in your heart when you look at other people, that is going to determine the end goal of your, of your money if you do not decide what the end goal is going to be beforehand. And this is the beauty of stewardship. This is the beauty when I say everything I possess is not mine. I am a responsible and a careful manager of the stuff that God has entrusted to me, the little bit or the much, it doesn't matter, but I'm a responsible and a careful manager. Why is this so important? Because suddenly stewardship gives our money a purpose bigger than myself, bigger than my own purposes. Suddenly, my life is not just about earning money, spending money, saving money, spending more money, going broke, making more, dying. Suddenly, money is about more. There's a purpose to money that is so much bigger than my cell phone or my car or my house or all of that stuff that was my own goals. Now, suddenly, money changes. Now, suddenly, money can add meaning to your life. Because money has a goal that's bigger than your life. It's going somewhere. And you're like, now suddenly money is not just this thing that I use to buy a cell phone, but it's taking my life somewhere. It is encouraging uh, the purpose of my life. Now suddenly it starts to get more meaning than just a way to trade stuff. And what happens when we live this way, when the purpose becomes bigger than my own, now I start to find contentment. Because now suddenly money is not about how I can fill all kinds of gaps in my life, how I can feel better about myself, how I can build up my own identity. Now suddenly money is about something more. And hear what Paul writes about this. He tells Timothy in verse 6, the start of this, he says, True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. He's like, if you want to experience wealth, whether you earn a little bit or whether you earn a lot, if you want to be rich, it is not about the number in your bank account. It is about two things. It is about godliness. It's about knowing the God who has a purpose for your money, who has a purpose for your life. And it is about being content with what amount he's given you to manage. Contentment means that I am okay with what I have, that I can live with what God has given me instead of trying to live what I do not have yet. Suddenly, money becomes a financial issue, becomes a spiritual issue. Money becomes a spiritual issue, he says. It's connected to my faith, to my godliness. It's connected to my contentment that I find in Jesus. You know why? Because he said money shows us who we are. It amplifies your heart. He says people fall into temptations. They get trapped. They plunge into ruin and destruction. All this stuff happens. It just shows us where we are heading. It shows us who we are inside. Paul wrote about this so much. In verse 8, he says, If I have enough food and clothing, I'm content. I don't need to add stuff to my life, external things, to feel okay with who I am. I don't need to add external stuff to feel like my life has a purpose. He says, Food and clothing, that's good. And feel like yeah, he was probably a poor man, right? No, he was sometimes wealthy. Not a place in the Bible, he says, I have had riches. I've had a place to sleep and I've gone through times where I had nothing and I didn't even have food in my tummy. But in both, 
much or little, he says, I'm good, I'm content, because my identity isn't tied to what I own. Because my value is not tied to the value in my bank account. My worth, my peace, everything is determined by something else. You see, contentment comes from a heart where you're not trying to fill a need with money. As long as you're trying to fill gaps in your life with money, you will never be content. And we even talked about this topic when we talked about relationships, right? If you look to the person next to you to fill every need you have, you will never be content with that person because they cannot fill every emotional need you have. Only God can. And the same way, when we go to God, we are full to contentment, and then it doesn't matter how much money I have, I live with it with full contentment. And suddenly, this thing that seemed evil, the root of all evil, so suddenly, the, the root of seduction, the root of sin, the root of pain, the root of grief, grief the root of misery, the root of, of not having peace, the root of the fighting in my marriage, the root of all of those things that seem so e evil, suddenly that money, that root of evil becomes God's chosen channel through which he wants to pour out his grace on me and on the people around me. Money is not good or bad. It is a tool that can be used for good or bad. It can be the root of all evil, but it could also be a channel through which God, as he said to Abraham, I'm blessing you to be a blessing to other people. Our relationship with money matters to God. Not because God wants everything we have. Often when we're in a church and someone talks about money, I'm like, oh, they're just after my money. God's not after your money. God's after your heart. He doesn't need your money. He already has all the riches in the world. The Bible says that he gives from his riches. He doesn't need your money. He's already given us everything. He left heaven with all the riches, with all the beauty we cannot even imagine, and he came to earth to walk in a pair of sandals on the dusty streets of earth that was probably stinky and smelly and, and dirty and full of people that was horrible to him, but he gave it all so that you and I, and he died for it, so that you and I do not need to be slaves of money, that we do not need to be slaves of our greed, that we do not have to live without purpose, that we do not need to live disconnected from God, but so that all of that can, can be fixed, that we can have a reconciled relationship with God, that we can have purpose with our life, that our money can follow purpose, that our money can be used for good. Your relationship with money matters to God, not because He wants your money, because He wants your heart, and because it will determine how you will live. Paul said this in this last piece. He said, people... The love of money is the root of all evil, and some people craving money have wandered from faith and have pierced themselves with many sorrows. God cares about your relationship with money because if it is unhealthy, you are setting yourself up to be pierced with stress. You're setting yourself up to be pierced with a broken relationship. You're setting yourself up to be pierced with pressures that you cannot handle. You are setting yourself up for the fall. But when our relationship with money is healthy, 
we find that suddenly it has purpose in our life. Suddenly it adds to the meaning of my life. Money is not good or bad. It's a tool that can either be used for bad or a tool that God can use to make, to bless us and to bless other people. Let's pray. But it's so easy for us to have an unhealthy relationship with money. And I know for me it's difficult to break from that, to think that, that it's not about me, to, to really believe that it's not about just meeting my needs. But I pray today, God, that our relationship with money will change, that we will move from a place where I think I'm the owner and that it's about me consuming, that I will move to a place where I become a good steward, responsible, careful, managing what you have given me for a purpose that comes directly from you. Alone, teach us to, to find contentment, not only in you, but also in what you have given us. But I pray for every person sitting here today that's feeling crazy amount of pressure and stress because of finances. I pray that you would fill them with wisdom and they can use their money in a way that brings glory to you, that frees them from that pit of sorrow and that everything they have will bring glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen.